singing out rock of ages and rock of ages you are faithful and true you are able to do what you have promised oh rock of ages you are faithful and just i will always put my oh sing it from the beginning rock of ages rock of ages shelter in the time of trouble refuge in the time of storm your fortress in the time of struggle tower in the time of war you're a healer in the time of sickness comfort in the time of grief you're a stronghold in the time of weakness helper in the time of need and rock of ages shelter in the time of trouble refuge in the time of storm your fortress in the time of struggle tower in the time of war you're a healer in the time of sin you're my comfort you're a stronghold in the time of oh let's sing it all together church rock of ages rock of ages Let's lift up our hands tonight. Let's surrender our hearts and sing that song all in all. 
in this sanctuary. Lift up your voices and praise it. Thank God. 
to be in church on a Wednesday night. So let's come together right now in prayer for many needs. Uh, we want to first start off by praying for Pastor Stevens. Uh, he's right now in Mexico, and we'll be talking about where, uh, but uh, he's at a rally, and things are going powerfully over there. We want to pray for our whole fellowship, Pastor Mitchell, Pastor Greg, uh, Mitchell, Pastor Warner, all of our pastors throughout the fellowship. God is moving, and we need God to continue to see revival in our churches. Um, so let's also pray for our church specifically. We're going to pray for um, our churches from out of our church, specifically Mike and Lisa Major in South Central Los Angeles, James and Veronica Venezuela in Bremerton, Washington, Juan and Sylvia Sistersick in Tehuacan, Mexico. And in our church, you know, God is helping us. We're, God is, is moving, but we are desperate to see uh, God continue to move in Fort Bliss. We're seeing wonderful things, and we thank God for the soldiers that are coming, but we want to continue to see even more of that. Um, we're praying for our family members. We're praying for our, our moms, our dads, our brothers, sisters. We're praying for our youth revival, um, and specifically that you all have written down. We've got many salvation and healing requests. We've got salvation uh, requests from Maria Martinez, Natalie Arvia, Erica Davis, Elias family, Maria Benavides, Garcia family, Michael, uh, Michael's family, Rebecca Lara, Gabby Castaneda, Ashley Morales, Ashley Trejo, the Ransdale family, the Mendoza family, Angel Gonzalez, Jacob Sabora, and then we've got healing uh, needs for Mary Reina, continue praying for our sister, uh, Evelyn Saldana, Joe Warren, Nancy Singelin, Sally Ruby, Doris Consider, McKenna Carter, Maria Vega, Francisco Baca Sr., Imelda uh, uh, Aleman, Orlando Juarez, Maria Miranda, our brother James Aguirre, and special needs for Raul Torres, Kobe Ortiz, Dominic Perez, Cesar uh, Medina, Jonathan Warren, Adrian Ransdale, and Andrew Ramos. I know that there are many prayer requests that didn't get an opportunity to get placed on here that are represented here, but God knows what those prayer requests are. So let's petition the throne of God. Let's raise our voices to God. And as we subside in prayer, our brother Gabriel is going to open us in prayer. Father, we come before you right now, my God. You know these needs. You are able, God. Nothing is too hard for you, Lord God. We thank you, my God, that with you all things are possible, Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, my God. Uh, thank you for bringing us to this place tonight. Uh, Father, we come before you in desperate need, God, uh, asking that you would hear us tonight, that you would incline your ear uh, to every need that was represented tonight, God, uh, and every single need that wasn't, Father God, for you know uh, each and one of us by name. Father, I pray, God, uh, that your Holy Spirit uh, will have breakthrough in this place. Lord, meet us at these altars, God. Uh, I pray, Father God that you would touch us, Lord. Uh, I pray for a word in due season, God, and I pray, God, uh, that you bring backsliders home, my God, and that you would save the lost tonight, God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God. Take a moment and greet those around you before you have a seat, please.
Praise God. First of all, we want to welcome everybody for being here tonight. And um, we've got a number of announcements. We want to be able to just take a moment to share with you our upcoming church schedule. We have uh, tomorrow, like we have every day, Monday through Friday, we open up this facility for prayer. So from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., if you are able to come, we encourage you to come. Um, many, uh, our staff, a lot of, we have a good number of people that are here at 7 o'clock, but some people are work at 7, so they show up here at 6, others at 9. So whatever time you're able to, uh, our facility is open for you. And then tomorrow uh, night, uh, Pastor Augie, he's preaching our Spanish service. Uh, the, the title is You Are Not Excused. You are not excused. And then Friday, we're going to prepare for our outreach. That um, We're going to have our outreach uh, Friday night preparing for our fall festival that starts this coming Saturday night. So our, our outreach will be at 6.30. We've got those flyers that we are passing out, and we've got still a lot of them. So right now, I'm asking your all's help. Uh, before you leave, if you can take a good number of those and pass them out at work, at school, wherever you find yourself, uh, please pass those out. It would be a shame if we finish up with the fall festival and we still have some of those flyers. So we spent a lot of money making them, so please pass them out. Let's get the word out. We're going to have the outreach, like I said, this Friday starting at 6.30. And, um, you know, we have passed out a lot of them, but now it's crunch time. So our first... Of the two, only two fall festival, um, fall festivals that we're doing is this coming Saturday. It starts at 6 p.m. So we're gonna, many of us are gonna be here at five to set up. And uh, if you've been asked, if you're a Bible study leader, assistant, or in the Bible studies, please, please come. We need your help. We need all hands on deck. Um, I'm gonna be needing when people pray right after the puppet show. I'm gonna be needing people to pray for those people. So I need altar workers, um, and so that's going to be this coming Saturday, and then obviously we're going to have another one on Halloween night. But this Saturday, it starts at 6 p.m. Um, let's see here, what else? Uh, we've got, um, I think that's it for Friday. Then, it for Friday. Hold on, hold on. Yes. So Saturday, uh, we have our outreach at at uh, 10, should I say a prayer meeting at 10 a.m., our outreach at, um, at 11 a.m. And again, I think what we're going to do on that outreach is try to blanket as much as this, of this neighborhood as possible. So again, it'll be a fruitful time. We need to be able to hit that, but we need as many people here as possible. Then Craig, He's going to need a lot of help. Saturday morning, we've got a number of you all that have already um, volunteered to help Craig out uh, to set up for our fall festival. And that's going to be this coming Saturday. The work party starts at 6 a.m. So for those of you men who have already uh, committed to that, please be here. If there are other men that can come and help us Saturday morning, we really need your help. And that would be greatly appreciated. Um, and then um, we've got um, 
Craig is saying that um, we've got a lot of candy here, but we're still needing more candy. So if you're able to bring candy, I mean, that candy is going to go very quickly. So if you're able to bring some candy for us, we would really appreciate that. So that's for the fall festival. And then we've got um, Sunday, uh, uh, Serious Man at 730. We've got uh, our regular Sunday school here, Pastor Stevens, continuing his great Sunday school at 10 o'clock. I've got new believers on the other side, and then Pastor Stevens will be preaching Sunday morning and Sunday night. And I believe, let me see here, oh, one more thing I'm forgetting is water baptism. So we've got some people who have already signed up, but if you are a new believer and you've recently given your life to Christ and you want to get water baptized, come see me. It's not too late, and uh, we'll arrange that. We're going to have our water baptism after service. So I think that's all of the announcements. If I can have the ushers come forward as we receive the offering. Pastor Stevens, as I was saying, he is in Oaxaca, Mexico. And that church is an incredible testimony of God's grace and of you all and your giving to world evangelism. If you're visiting our church right now for the first time, or you just started coming and you wonder what all these flags are, each one of them represents couples that we raised up in our church. We sent them all over the world, and our church is giving to be able to see those souls saved in those cities. And I'm going to show, let's first show the first picture. Um, the pastor and his wife in Oaxaca, they have been there now um, that church got started in 2003, and it got started because Pastor Richard Contreras, in 1994, he was sent out to Mexico City. He started the church there, and then they sent out a couple in Oaxaca, and Oaxaca now has at least 120 people. Go ahead, and we're about to show the video. And the rally that Pastor Stevens is at right now, there's about 175 people there. This is our grandbaby church, and that church, our grandbaby church, has now sent out five churches. Go ahead and show that video. good brother thank you that's because of your all's commitment when we get to heaven we may not have met most of those people here on earth but they're going to be coming up to you and they're going to be saying thank you for your prayers thank you for your giving many times people out in the world they spend a lot of money on a lot of different things and those things of the world everything finishes but what doesn't finish is what we're doing for God for eternity. And those souls are a direct relation with what you guys have given. So I just want to encourage you, continue to give. Continue with your tithes, your offerings, because the fruit is yours. I thank God for this church. I thank God for our commitment for evangelism. But I believe God isn't finished. He's got a lot more to go. And so let's give. Let's thank God for all that he's done. And let's believe God for a lot more. Chris Padilla, why don't you thank God for and, and bless this offering?
start the Bible studies, we're going to kick it off by having a great fellowship at Marty Robbins Park on November 2nd. So that Saturday, we're not going to have the edge. So we're going to, that's directly right after um, Halloween. And we're going to get together as a church. We're going to have a cookout. We're going to have uh, uh, volleyball, all sorts of things going on there and try to lock in the fruit that God has given us for fall, fall festival. So please, Put that in your calendars, and let's um, well, let's prepare for that. Uh, let's welcome Pastor Contreras. Amen. Uh, they just informed me that the computer may have crashed, so you're going to have to do this the old-fashioned way. <laughs> Watch your Bibles. Amen. Uh, I, I just want to say before we get into the sermon, uh, I, I, I just want to say that this is just a tremendous privilege to be able to serve this church. Amen. This is the greatest church in the world. Amen. It is. It is the greatest church in the world. Amen. And I say that. Amen. Hallelujah. I say that from my heart. I really do believe. Amen. This is a, I remember when I was in Bogota, I would tell people, uh, I want you to come to conference. I want you to know what it is to walk amongst giants. And I'm just, not, I'm just talking about big people, giants. Amen. I'm, Talking to just spiritual giants, and that's how I view you guys. Uh, you guys are spiritual giants. I see you guys praying, serving, doing all that you do, and, and to me, it just makes me feel so small. And, and, and uh, this uh, such a privilege, amen, to be able to uh, minister in the position that I do, amen. So I just wanted to say that before we get into the sermon, amen. Genesis chapter 41 in your Bibles. Uh, there's a book that I'm reading by uh, uh, an author called Erwin Lutzer uh, that's called "Putting Your Past Behind You." And uh, the book starts off with a, it's kind of like a funny and a sad story at the same time, but it's, it starts off about a woman that uh, was dating this guy, and so they, they're living together and stuff, and so she ends up putting a, a, a tattoo of the guy's face on her body. And so, you know, she goes on, time happens, they break up, she marries somebody else. <laughs> so if you can imagine, now the new husband has to see this guy's face. <laughs> and, and so the, the, the bad part of the story is that, is that uh, 
this, this guy actually turned out to be, after she put the tattoo on, uh, ended up being very abusive, uh, a very bad person, would beat her up, uh, would treat her like trash. And now she has to live with this tattoo on her body. Every time she sees a tattoo, it's a reminder of, of, of this relationship. It's a reminder of what she's... And, and, I, and I thought about this. And I, how many know uh, there's some things that happen in life that can stay tattooed, but not on our body, but in our minds. Hallelujah. We can go through things in life, and those things can, can have that effect in us where we... You know, we can go on, you know, we, we, we continue to live our lives, but that tattoo is there in our conscience. That tattoo is there, and, uh, and if we don't know how to deal with that, that can follow us the rest of our lives. So I want to preach a sermon I've entitled, How to Get Unstuck from Your Past, out of Genesis chapter 41. Uh, we're going to read, read just a couple of verses, chapter uh, 41, verses 50 to 52. And uh, this story that I'm going to read is, is, is a very powerful story. I'm just reading just a little piece. Uh, I, I'm sure that most of you will know the context of the story. I, I'm, I'm talking about Joseph, and, and many of you already know the story of how he got sold out by his brothers, uh, uh, how, you know, he, got, uh, he became a, a servant, and then he, he got falsely accused, and after that he gets thrown into jail, and after he's been in jail, uh, he gets forgotten, forgotten in jail, and, and after all of that, he ends up, the second most powerful person of all of, Egypt, uh, all of Egypt. And so that's, we know that that's the background of the story. But the text that I'm going to read is kind of, uh, after all that has happened, uh, uh, Joseph does something. He has a couple of children, and what he calls these children, uh, the names that he puts on them, kind of tells us uh, how he was able to process his past. So let's read Genesis chapter 41, verses 50 to 52. And I want you to open your heart. Amen. Please. I, I really do believe that God wants to help some people in this place and help you deal with your past. Some of you, your past is haunting you. Your past is, is still pulling on you. It's affecting you. But I believe God can really help you tonight. Amen. Uh, dealing with your past. Genesis chapter 41, verses 50 to 52 says these words. And jo Joseph was born, uh, of Joseph was born two sons after the years of famine came whom Azanath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. For God has made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Verse 52, and the name of the second was called Ephraim. For God has caused me to be fruitful in the land of affliction. Amen. So I want to talk firstly about the power that our past has over our lives. Uh, our past has more of an influence in our lives than we uh, care to admit. Amen. There's, there's things that have happened in our past, and those things really do wield a power over us. Many of the things that we do in life, uh, in the present, the way we deal with people, the way we process things, the way we react to circumstances, the way we respond to things in life, many of those things uh, are a direct result of things that have happened in our past. Things that we've gone through, things that we've experienced in life. And so those things, you know, as, as we go on in life, those things really do affect us, affect the way we process life, affect the way we decide. When things happen and when people do things to us, the way we react and respond to those things, much of that has to do with our past. 
uh, I've talked many times to people and sometimes I'm talking, for example, to a sister and, and we're talking about some things in, in that sister's life and many times, uh, you, you know, they'll begin to talk about something in their past, some kind of event that happened and as they begin to recount their past, they begin to mention certain particulars of that past, uh, many times they'll get teary-eyed, amen, they'll get uh, uh, emotional, amen, and many times they'll, they'll, they'll begin to act like if this had just happened uh, just yesterday, amen, and it's something that happened many times years ago, amen, because uh, uh, even though that happened in the past, that still has an effect in their present. I remember when I was young, amen, one of the things that really affected my life personally uh, was that I remember, especially in my teenage years, I remember there was a time that I had a lot of pimples. And so I remember uh, growing up with that and, and uh, you know, if I don't, today it, it seems like if everyone, ha there, there's new soaps and stuff that you can use for that stuff. But back in the day, we were poor, we didn't have any of that stuff. So, you know, I had to deal with that. And I remember growing up and I remember when I got to those teenage years and I remember, uh, you know, just feeling so introverted because of that. And I remember right before I got saved, I let my hair go long, I was, I was a rocker. And I remember letting my hair grow to in such a way that it would cover most of my face. And, and I remember uh, even later on in life, even after I got saved, uh, you know, I got filled with the Holy Ghost and, and God began to help me, amen, break out of my shell and, and be bold for God. But I remember many times I would deal with those little insecurities and many times I would ask myself, why do I have to deal with this? Why do I have such a hard time standing in front of people? Many times we'd be in a conversation and, and many times a conversation would kind of veer towards me and, and, and it, it, I would kind of feel like if, if something was coming up that was going to embarrass me and I would shy away and I would you know, try to you know, change the subject uh, and, and I would ask myself, where does that come from? Why do I act? Why am I so timid? Why am I, you know, why am I always struggling with this? And, and in, to a large extent, it was because of that, that past. I remember feeling, you know, just feeling like I wasn't worthy or feeling like people would see me and, oh, this guy, you know, he's, he's a nothing. And so, and so those things, those experiences in life began to affect the way I reacted to things, the way I responded to life. I was very, uh, uh, very quiet. I, was, I had no confidence in myself. And much of that was a direct result of my past. So one of the things that I've realized in life is that we all have gone through experiences, traumas, situations, offenses, things that have happened in our lives that continue to have some kind of effect in our lives. As I was thinking about this, uh, I, I was you know, trying to think of, of some examples of this in the Bible. And one of the examples that, that just jumped out at me was a... The, the, the case of Peter, amen, and many of you know the story of Peter when Jesus begins to talk to Peter and say, uh, you know what, I'm going to be crucified, they're going to take me, they're going to they're gonna beat me, and I'm going to end up on a cross, and I'm going to die, but I will, rise, I, I will rise again on the third day, and so Peter's listening to this, uh, and, and Jesus is trying to explain to Peter, look Peter, you're going to go through some things. It's going to be hard. This is going to be a trial. This is going to be one of the hardest things you've ever gone. And Peter's response is, is you know, gee, I don't know what you're talking about. It, Though all men leave you, I will never leave you. And we know what happened. John chapter 13, verses 36 through 38 says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where you are going, Jesus 
uh, answered him, where am I, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, will you lay down, you, uh, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. And you know the story? Uh, shortly after that, Jesus is taken. Uh, he, is, uh, he, he is judged. He is beaten. And you know the story. Uh, Peter, you know, they, they begin to ask Peter, you were one of the disciples, right? And no, no, no. I don't know what you're talking about. And so three times, Peter denies Jesus. And so we know the story that after the third time that he's denied Jesus, uh, uh, Jesus comes out, uh, amen, of the, of, of the temple. And as they're looking at each other, I mean, they lock eyes uh, and the rooster crows and he remembers the words. And I want you to try to imagine for a moment the, the condemnation that Peter felt at that moment. Jesus had warned him, had told him, look, you're going to fail. You're going to, you, you, you don't, you're not strong enough for this, Peter. You got to prepare for this. And Peter, you know, full of pride, ah, yeah, I, I can handle this. Uh, no problem. And, and now, you know, fast forward the tape. Now he's standing and he's looking. They've locked eyes. He's looking at Jesus uh, and he hears a rooster crow and he re he's reminded of those words. Uh, and, and can you imagine the failure that how, how, what a failure he felt, how condemned he must have felt, how deep his condemnation must have been at that moment. He, he probably walked away from it. The Bible says, actually, he walked away and he cried bitterly. He was probably thinking, I can't believe I did this. And how many have ever had to say that sometimes in life? I can't believe I did this. I can't believe I made this mistake. I can't believe I was capable of doing this. And so here is Peter. He's, he's filled with condemnation. He's discouraged. Amen. He feels like an absolute failure. So now let's fast forward the tape a little bit. And so now Jesus has risen from the dead. And how many know if Jesus has risen from the dead, that should have settled it in the mind of Peter. He, would, he should have said, okay, Jesus, uh, I mean, he conquered death. He's Lord. Everything that he said was real. That should have settled everything. And Peter should have just went on for Jesus. How many can say amen? But see what happens. John chapter 21 verses 15 through 19. Uh, if you read the, the first verse of chapter 21, the Bible says that, that they have already seen Jesus. I want you, I want you to realize, look at this. G Peter has already seen Jesus a couple of times. He's already seen Jesus ri risen from the dead. And so you would think, you know, that's, that's it. I'm going to follow Jesus and, and, and everything's taken care of. He's already seen Jesus a couple of times. And so even after he's seen Jesus, the Bible says that he gets together with the other disciples and rather than, you know, thinking, okay, we're, let's go on for God. Uh, amen. Let's think about how, what we're going to do, how we're going to start the church. Uh, amen. How, you know, uh, the will of God is the most important thing. That, that's all that matters now. What does Peter do? The Bible says that he goes fishing. And John chapter uh, 21 verses 15 through 19 says these words. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said unto him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, 
Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said unto him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, it to, he said to him, Tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said this a third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, When you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another work will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by the death he would glorify, by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. And so I remember reading this and I remember thinking, you know, uh, you know wh why would Jesus do this? Why would Jesus ask him three times? And, and I remember it, uh, you know, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I remember thinking uh, maybe it was Jesus uh, realizing he denied him three times and now he's asking him if he uh, will follow him three times or maybe maybe God knew exactly what was happening maybe God under, maybe Jesus understood uh, amen how deep his condemnation was uh, amen and so uh, rather than being a you know having a mentality of I you know Jesus is risen from the dead I'm gonna serve God let's let's do this let's let's uh, build this church amen let's go on for God Amen. Rather than having that mindset, he wants to go back to fishing. And I, I believe that when Jesus saw him go back to fishing, he realized that, amen, what's causing him to do that is his past, his failure. Peter probably did not feel he was worthy to be a disciple of Jesus. And his past was holding him back. His past, his failure, amen, was, was it, rather than him having optimism and enthusiasm for the future and for all that God rather than having that Peter's mentality I don't think I don't think I'm, I'm cut out for this all I can be in life is a fisherman I can never be the disciple that Jesus wanted me to be I can never be the man that God wanted me to be I'm always going to be a failure I'm always going to be someone that won't have enough uh, enough uh, strength, uh, amen, to be able to stand. Uh, this is who I will always be. And so I better just give up on this whole discipleship thing and I'm going to go fishing. And Jesus, uh, I believe, be, was able to see that. Uh, and, and Jesus speaks to Peter and says, no, Peter, you're not defined by your failure. And he begins to ask him, uh, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do love you. Then feed my sheep. Uh, I, I want to say that in the NRC version. The NRC version is the new Richard Contreras version. Amen. So the NRC version says, Peter, why uh, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then get back in the game. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Then get back to work. Peter, do you love me? Yes, you know that I love you. Then, then get back in the fight. Get back to doing what I've called you to do. God, but Jesus, wait. I'm, I, I failed you. I don't think I can do this. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. You're not defined by the failure. You're defined by my will over your life. And I want you to rise up. But I believe that if Jesus would not have had that little conversation with Peter... I believe that failure would have governed the rest of Peter's life. I'm sure he would have been a part of the potter's house, Jerusalem. <laughs> 
I'm sure he probably would have helped with tithes and offerings. I'm sure he would have probably been in ministry. But he probably would not have been the man that God used him to be. He probably wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been the one that stood up on Pentecost Day and preached and 3,000 people got saved. Amen. He probably would not have been the leader, the one that opened the door for the gospel to go to the Gentiles. He probably would have not been those things had Jesus not recognized, I better break this hold that this past has upon his life. And so that's just one example. But how many know our past can hold us back in so many different ways? Things that have happened in our life that have robbed us of our confidence, that have robbed us of our, of our vision for God. Amen. And I've seen this over the years. Amen. People that, you know, you, they get saved and they're so excited for God. They want to do something for God. But things happen in life. And, and if they don't know how to deal with that... To, those things can hold them back. And many times, amen, will, will, will be a part of their life, the rest of their life, and, and will influence, amen, their decisions, will influence, their, they, it'll influence what they do for God. I was reading this little uh, article. And this article asked the question of, uh, you know, these questions will kind of help us determine how much your past is affecting you. So question number one is, is there one particular period from your past that you find yourself clinging on to? There's something in your, is there something that you just, that you just can't let go of? Question number two, do you feel that you will never reach the level of happiness, status, satisfaction, acceptance that you once had? Do you feel like if yes, in the past, it was great. I, I really did have a great, but I don't think I could ever reach or attain that again in my life. Number three, are you fearful of your future? Do you see your future and rather than seeing your future with hope, rather than seeing your future and you get excited about your future, amen, maybe you get depressed about your future, you get fearful about your future. And some, you know, how many know as Christians, if anyone should be excited about their future, it's us as Christians. Because how many know, end of the story, we win. Hallelujah. And how many know as a Christian, there is absolutely no way you can lose in life. If you stay saved, you serve God. Amen. If you go through trials, God will help you. You win. If you die, you go to heaven, you win. If you stay and God helps you, you there's no way of losing. And if, as a Christian, you can look at your life and you can always know there's a bright future for you. How many can say amen? But if you're governed by your past, you look at your future and there's question marks, there's insecurity, there's fears, there's doubts. I'm not sure if this is going to happen. I'm not sure if things are going to work out. And, and, and you're guiding yourself rather than guiding yourself by the word of God, by what God says. And if you're here and you've heard any of Ernie's uh, uh, studies, I mean, you know, it gets scary. But at the end, we win. Hallelujah. But if you don't have that hope, uh, amen, or if you're guiding yourself by your past, your best past mistakes and failures and your experiences, you will look at your future and it will be a fearful future. It will be something that's very, uh, uh, very insecure. Last question. Does thinking about your past actually make you sad? 
When you think about your past and you think about some of the things that have happened in your past, rather than, 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 than okay, you, that's happened, you're going on, does it make you feel sad? And so these are just questions that will kind of help you to determine how much your past is holding on to you, how much your past is influencing your life. So that brings me to my second point, and that is things that can hold you in the past. So uh, as I've served God and as I've pastored, you know, I've, I've dealt with people and, and, and I've, I've come to realize that there's, there's certain things that happen in life that have this potential to cause people to be stuck in their past. And, and I've seen this over the years. I've seen things happen in people's life and, and, and many times even that as it's happening, I'm thinking to myself, I hope they're able to get past this. I hope they're able to deal with these things because if they don't deal with this that's happened in their life, this will, this will attach themselves to them and this will affect, amen, the, their life. It'll affect their decisions. It'll affect their thought process. It'll affect uh, uh, the way they react to the future problems that they have in life. Uh, and so I've, I've, I've realized that there's at least three things that will cause a person to begin to live in their past. Number one is offenses. How many know as Christians uh, that does not exempt you from offenses? If you're going to serve God and if you, it, you know, uh, it's always funny to me. Every, every once in a while, y'all talk to a Christian, uh, you know, someone that's, that's serving God. And, and it's, it's almost like if, like if they, they're a detective that has just discovered this incredible clue. Uh, Pastor, I, I have to talk to you. There, there, there's something you have to know. And, and what is it? What happened? You know, I'm thinking there's some new great revelation. No, Pastor, you, need, you have to know what's happening. There is a hypocrite in the church. Uh, really? Is, are you talking about me or who? <laughs> and, and they say it like if it's, the, it's this revelation. And how many know in church there will be hypocrites? <laughs> in church there will be people that make mistakes. In church, there will be people that do things that you don't like. In church, there will be people that will offend you. And as we go on in life and as we serve God, you need to realize that this is part of the game. This is part uh, of serving God. Amen. As you're going to go through things, uh, and, and as you rub shoulders with br uh, brothers and sisters, as you uh, begin to live your life, uh, uh, how many of you remember? How many have brothers and sisters? Raise your hand. If you have brothers and sisters, how many have ever fought with your brothers and sisters? And wasn't it funny, amen, you would fight with your brothers and sisters and, and, and as, as long as it was within family, you guys would take out the chancla, man, and fight with each other and, and get ticked off. But if anyone messed with your family, it was a different story. It was all, all, everyone against them, right? Amen. And so how many know in the church, we're a family? How many can say amen? We're the family of God. And as family... We're going to rub shoulders and we're going to rub each other the wrong way sometimes. We're going to make some mistakes. We're going to say things that shouldn't be said. We're going to do things that shouldn't be done. And the reason I say this is that many times people will be offended. And that offense will become something that they cannot let go of. If you don't deal with this correctly, if you don't know how to deal with offenses, then uh, you will become a person that will, uh, you know, all these little 
uh, defense mechanisms will begin to rule your life. Amen. You, uh, I'm sure you've known of people that are that are hypersensitive. You know, anything you say, put up the, the defense. You know, if you make some kind of comment, they, 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 they you know, why did you say that? What did you mean? You know, and, and how, how are you doing, brother? Why are you asking? You know, and, and you know, they, they become hypersensitive. And how many know that comes from somewhere? That comes from some offense. If you begin to dig around a little bit, you'll realize there was some kind of offense that happened in the past. And they didn't know how to deal with that. And so they, they become defensive. They become, uh, they take everything personal. Everything that is said, everything that happens, they take it all personal. Because um, uh, what's really happening is they're getting stuck in the past by some offense. Another thing that causes people to live in the past is their failures. And one of the things that I've also realized as, as a pastor, I'm always looking out for this. When I see people do things, you know, when they, when they are, you know, they're just trying to serve God and they're, they're trying new things. One of the things that I always try to see is, is I always try to try to perceive how they take it when they try something and in their mind, they perceive like if they failed. And I always look at that as a very important moment in their life. Amen. How, they, how they're able to process their failure. If they try something and nothing happens. If they try something and it just didn't go the way they thought it was going to go. I, I, I'm always looking at their response. And always looking at what happens. Because how many know when someone fails, it can go one of two ways. Either they can fail and they can learn from their failure. There's some people that fail. And, and that failure will actually make them better. I, I'm, I was uh, reading about a book, amen, and I, I'm going to try to find this book, but, but this book was talking about how uh, it's the author, basically what he did is that he went into all these cases of all these people that are successes in life, uh, uh, some of the, you know, the rich entrepreneurs and people that have, you know, built these companies and have done great things uh, in the financial world. And so, and so what this guy did is that basically he's gone to every one of these cases and he's, he's just compiled a bunch of stories of when they failed and and, and what this book is about is simply how uh, you know the, how these people you know we look at them and and we all we see is a success part all we see is 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 how they made it uh, and how they're now millionaires and billionaires and 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 we see that and we think wow that that, that just happened automatically no they went through some failures and so when someone fails, they can, it, it can either go two ways. Number one is they can learn from that. They can, they can understand, okay, this, this is not the way you do this. Okay, I better scratch that one off the list. Okay, I better start making some adjustments. I better start doing things different. And they learn, they grow, they become better people by the failures that they experience. But how many know that could also go in a different direction? And failure can become something that marks a person. Failure can become something that deflates them, causes them to lose their enthusiasm, causes them to lose their vision, causes them to, to just simply want to give up, makes them feel unworthy, makes them feel like if they can never really do something significant. And I've seen people go both ways. I've seen people fail and you know, you, you help them along and they learn from that and, 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 and they, they become better people from that. 
And I've also seen people fail and they never ever want to put themselves in that position where they will fail again. And they'll never try anything new. They'll never try to, you know, uh, 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 try new things because they, they never want to feel the burn of that failure. And so they'll never, ever try anything again. So many times this causes them to become cynical, causes them to become negative. Whenever they see someone try new things, they're like, ah, yeah, okay, I tried that once, but uh, you, you'll, you'll see, you know. It, it, I, I went through that. I used to be all happy like you, but, uh, you know. So a lot of people get stuck in their failures. Third area where they get stuck is in crisis and the hardships of life. And these are the things that happen in life that many times we wonder why did this happen? Pastor Stevens preached that, that, that powerful sermon the other day about uh, the enemies that are coming from across the sea and how that represents things that happen in our life that, that we don't know why these things happen. And how many know sometimes things will happen in your life and you ask yourself, why did this happen? How many has that's happened to you? Why did this happen? Why would God allow this? Why? And you're trying to understand it. You're trying to, you know, you know, understand the, the, the whys of it and how many know there's people that can get stuck in a why the rest of their life why would God allow this why would this happen and, and I've seen all kinds of different situations where that why will cause that person to lose their enthusiasm will cause them to lose their 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 their, their zeal for God you know why why why, why would this happen So that brings me to my third point, and that is getting unstuck from your past. And I believe there's some steps that you can take that'll help you to begin to, to deal with your past. Whether that be a failure, whether that be an offense, someone did something that, that, that offended you, and, and you're, you have a hard time dealing with that. Whether that's a crisis in life or whether it may be something else, maybe something that I didn't mention, but it's something in your life that's holding you back. It's something that's robbing you of your confidence, of your zeal, of your joy. You used to be someone that wanted, you, you wanted to eat the world. That's a Mexican thing. Se querían comer el mundo. You wanted to eat the world. But uh, now your past has a grip on you. And it's affecting the way you think, it's affecting your faith, it's affecting the way you see things, it's affecting your future, it's affecting your decisions. And so how do you deal with that? How do you get unstuck from your past? I want to talk about three things very quickly. Number one is you have to learn how to process your past. You have to know how to put things in order in your past. There's a author by, by the name of Jordan Peterson. Many of you have maybe, maybe uh, read his book, The 12 Rules for Life. Uh, this guy has some very good ideas. You know, he's, he's not all 100% good, but, but he does come up with some very good ideas. And so he said these words about a person's past. He said, when you have a memory that's more than 18 months old, in other words, something that's, that's it's not recent, you know, if you have a memory that's less than 18 months old, 
you know, that, that's hard to get out of your mind. It just happened. But if you have an older memory, in, in other words, and you pull that memory out and you still have an emotional reaction, that means that you haven't fully articulated that memory. In other words, what he's saying basically is you haven't really learned how to process that memory. You haven't analyzed it causally. You haven't freed yourself of its grasp and you're carrying it like a weight. Your brain responds to that by producing more cortisol. Cortisol simply is a hormone. Uh, it's, it's like a stress hormone. And, and uh, they say that cortisol is, is kind of like your, your body's uh, uh, alarm mechanism or defense mechanism. When things, things happen, your body re re responds with producing more cortisol. So, so this guy is saying when, when you don't know how to process your past, your brain begins to produce more cortisol. And the more weight that you carry or the more baggage that you carry, the more cortisol your brain produces. And that's when people actually start getting older faster. When people don't know how to process their past, your brain literally begins to work in such a way that you become older faster. Some people ask me if I color my hair. I don't color my hair. I just don't worry. Amen. <laughs> No, I'm just joking. But how many know if, if, if you live your life and you, you have a past, you don't know how to process that past, you will, you, will, you will be 40, 50 years old and it's as if you were 80 years old. And how many know there's people that they're young and, 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 but they're old in their spirit. How many of you known people like that? You know, they're, 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 they're young, they're still, they still, you know, they still have their health. But you, you talk to them and, hey, let's do this. Come on, let's do this. And, let's do and, and it's like they're always tired. They're always negative. They never want to do anything. And, you know, I'm 50 years old and I still want to do a lot of things. And I, I'm, and I look at young people and they're like, what's wrong? I want to slap them upside the head. Amen. Because they're old. They're old still. Amen. But can, can I tell you, if you don't learn how to process your past, you're going to become old very quickly. He also said these words, if you're, if you're 80 and you're reflecting back on your life, that's one thing. But if you're 30 or 40 and you keep thinking about your past, it's as if your soul is trapped back there. You need to free it through the proper processing of the past. There's a couple of examples in the Bibles of, of this. One of them is David. You know the story of David. He, he makes a mistake, sins. Uh, uh, commits adultery with Bathsheba and the result of that you, we know what happens and, and you know time goes on uh, he gets married has other kids and over time uh, one of his kids Absalom rises up rises up against him and uh, and rebels against him and so uh, you know uh, this comes to the point where uh, where David has to leave Jerusalem because of his son's rebellion and so as he's leaving Jerusalem, uh, the Bible says that there was a guy named Shimei that begins to kick up dust and throw rocks and yell curses at David. And basically what he begins to do is remind David of his past. David, this is happening because of what you did in your past. Because you didn't deal righteously with Saul. 
because you did things and they were not, and you're just you're just reaping the consequences of your mistakes and so that's why this is happening to you David and he's throwing up dust and he's yelling and he's just all ticked off and so one of David's men he's he's walking alongside of David and he's like David why are you allowing this to happen let me take out my sword and let me chop this guy's head off and and, and he, let, let me get rid of this guy and, and so David responds in such a way that we, we understand David knew how to process his past. And 2 Samuel chapter 16 verses 10 through 13 says these words, But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruiah? Uh, so let him curse, because the Lord has said to him, Curse David. Who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and all his servants, See how my son who came from my, my own body seeks my life. How much more... Now may this Benjaminite let him alone and let him curse, for so the Lord has ordered him. It may be that the Lord will look at my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. So here's David. Here's this guy that's just reminding him of his past. This is happening because you failed. This is happening, David, because you were not righteous. You were wrong. And he's, he's just... Uh, just uh, 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 slamming him with those things. And David's response says, you know what? Don't worry. It could be that I did make some mistakes. David is looking at his past and he's thinking, you know what? You're probably right. I probably did make some mistakes here. I probably do deserve some of the things that you're saying. You know what? Now that I think about this, you know what? Go ahead, curse. I, 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 I did make some mistakes. And the thing about David is he was, he was able to properly process his past. He was able to say, okay, yes, I made this mistake. I did this I shouldn't have done. This is the consequence of this. And this is the consequence of that. And you know what? Yeah, that sounds about right. God forgave me, it's under the blood, let's go on. And there's some people that need to learn how to do that. You need to learn how to look at some things in your past and say, you know what, yeah, that, that, was, a, that was a mistake. I, I, I shouldn't have done that. Or maybe you need to look at your past, you know what, that person really offended me. And they, I don't know why they did that. But you know what? I'm going to put that in its proper context. And I'm going to forgive that person. And I'm going to move on. How many can say amen? Hallelujah. Second thing that you need to learn how to do. If you're going to get unstuck from your past. Is you need to learn how to forgive. Here's Joseph in our text. His brothers have absolutely been, been unrighteous with him. They sold him as a slave. And after that, everything that he went through, you know, he, he gets hired, then he gets falsely accused, and all of that that happened. And at the end, the Bible says he's now the second most powerful man in Egypt. And here he is. I don't know if someone was by his side giving him grapes in his mouth, and you know, get, you know with a big leaf, or I don't know what was happening. But here he is, he's sitting, and, and lo and behold, walk in his brothers. 
And, and if you can imagine, you know, here, here he is. He's sitting and, and now he's in a powerful place. And in walk in his brothers. And he may have been thinking, uh, uh, you know what, uh, this is the opportunity I have. Uh, uh, he, he may have been thinking of how to torment these guys. The Bible says, uh, amen, that he uh, forgave them, blessed them. Uh, did everything completely opposite of what they would have thought. Uh, and it's after that that the Bible says that, that he calls it, when he has his two first children, he calls their names Manasseh and Ephraim, which means uh, basically uh, I have forgotten everything that has happened with my brothers. And if you're going to get unstuck from your past, you need to learn how to let go of some things. I, I read this little... A quote says, forgiving does not erase your bitter past. And sometimes what we, that's what we want for, you know, to forget our bitter past. Sometimes we're not going to forget it. It's always going to be there. But a healed memory is not a deleted memory. Instead, forgiving what you cannot forget creates a new way to remember. When you forgive someone, what, it, it, that's not going to erase the, the memory of that. How many know that's not going to happen? Amen. But what, what will happen if you learn how to forgive, you, if you know how to learn how to let go of things, uh, you may not forget, it may not be deleted from your hard drive, but you will remember it in a different way. You will remember it with a larger heart. You will remember it uh, and it won't sting you. It won't hurt you anymore if you learn how to forgive. And so there's a third thing I want to say very quickly, and that is uh, you need to learn how to move forward. If you're going to get unstuck from your past, you need to learn how to begin to make steps and go forward. The book of Jeremiah chapter 29 says these words, verse 11. And I know the thoughts that I, I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you the future, a future and a hope. How many have heard, have heard that scripture or read that scripture? How many know that's a powerful scripture? How many think that's, that scripture... It gives you hope. It gives you, it gives you, you know, a future. God knows your thoughts and God knows what he thinks about you. And the Bible says uh, he has a future and a hope for you. That's awesome. How many can say amen? But how many know in what context that scripture was written? And I want Ernie to respond because I know Ernie knows everything. Amen. But that scripture was written in a context of Israel being subjugated and they were in bondage under Babylon. And so the Babylonians had conquered Jerusalem. They had conquered the Israelites. They have taken them captive. And now they are in the, in the, in the nation of Babylon. They are no longer in their nation. And so now they're in this situation. And in that context, that's where God says... Amen. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. So think about this. Think about these, these people. They're in bondage. They're in captivity. And God is telling them, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. I have a future and a hope for you. And what is more powerful than that is what God told them. Uh, just a few scriptures before. The Bible says, this, Thus the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who are carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. So in other words, this is God saying to the Israelites in, in, in Babylon, it's saying, this is my word to you. Verse 5, Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruits. 
Take wives and beget sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give to your daughters to husbands uh, so that you may bear sons and daughters, that you may be increased there and do not, uh, not be diminished. And so in other words, God is telling these people they're in captivity. They're not in their own land. But God says, you know what? I want you to plant vineyards. I want you to plant gardens. I want you to get married. I want you to build houses. And basically what God was saying is in the midst of your captivity, in the midst of your problem, I want you to make decisions as if you were going forward. The reason they were in captivity was because of their disobedience. The reason that they were they they got uh, they they got uh, taken over in the first place was because they had disobeyed God and God had judged them. That's why they're in Babylon. But even in Babylon, God speaks to them and God says, "I want you to build houses. I want you to do this. I want you to act as if you were in your own land." Amen. Because I know the thoughts that I have towards you, and they're thoughts of peace to give you a future and a hope. So in other words, uh, amen, what God was saying is uh, even though you're in this situation, uh, I want you to begin to take steps forward. And one of the biggest challenges in life uh, is when you're going through problems and you're going through things and you feel uh, like if you've failed or you feel like if you can't go on anymore, to even in that situation, to begin to make steps of going forward. To begin, to begin to make decisions uh, of going forward. There may be no reason to do this. You may feel like, why would I do this? Uh, I'm in a captive land. Uh, I'm in a situation where I feel that I can't go on. And even in that situation, God says, I want you to begin to make decisions and choices to go forward. And one of the most challenging things you can do in life is when you're discouraged, you failed. You've gone through things. You have a big why over your mind. When you're in that situation, build houses, get married, and if you're already married, stay married. <laughs> have children. If you're already older, discount that. Don't worry about that. But go forward. Go forward. Go forward. And, and this can many times be very challenging because we're, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking, why, why would I do that? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm having problems. I've failed. And, and God in the midst of that will say, you know what? Keep making decisions. Keep going forward. Erwin Lutzer, that, that same uh, book that I was talking about, says, God does not always free us from the effects of the past. But its power can be broken indeed. It is often in the lives of those who have suffered most keenly that God does His deepest work. And I want to finish with this poem. And this is also in that book. And so this poem says these words, As children bring their broken toys with, with tears for us to mend, I brought my broken dreams to God because He was my friend. But then instead of leaving him in peace to work alone, I hung around and tried to help with ways that were my own. At last I snatched them back and cried, how can you be so slow? My child, he said, what can I do? You never did let go. I believe there's people that, that there's a past that is still influencing your life. 
maybe a failure, maybe an offense, maybe a crisis, and it's still there, it's still influencing you, affecting you, affecting your thoughts. Some of you may be having problems going to sleep at night. Thank God we have a God that knows of our past. How many can say amen? And you can deal with your past, and you can get unstuck from your past, and you can go on for God. How many can say amen? Hallelujah. I mean, I like every head bowed, every eye closed very quickly in the presence of God. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Maybe you're here tonight. Maybe a visitor. This may be the first time you come into church. You may have been given a flyer. Maybe a friend or a family member brought you to church this evening. And you're here tonight and... You're hearing this and you think to yourself, you know what, I, I do need to find a way to get past the things that have happened in my life. You're looking at your life and you're thinking, man, I, I, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to live what you're saying. I don't know how to put that into practice. Remember 34 years ago. I was just a young person in, in, uh, here in El Paso. I was, I was just trying to live my life. I felt depressed. I felt like my life was worthless. I felt like if there was a, my life was a big mistake. And I remember someone told me about Jesus, and someone invited me to this church. Someone told me that God had a purpose and a plan for my life. And I remember those words they, they, they jumped out at me, and I remember thinking to myself, that is exactly what I need. I went to a service, and I remember thinking to myself, everything that that person is saying is exactly what I need. And I remember raising my hand, accepting Jesus in my heart, and God changed me. 34 years ago, God changed my life. I didn't just simply become religious. I didn't simply just start going to a church. God literally changed my life. He changed my heart. I used to want to sin, but with that new heart that God gave me, now I wanted to run away from sin. That doesn't mean that I was always perfect. That doesn't mean that I, 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 I never committed another sin in my life. Amen. But that means that with my new heart, now I wanted to run away from sin. Now I wanted to do what was right. With my new heart, amen, I, now I wanted to love people. With my new heart, now I wanted to know God. With that new heart, now I wanted to... You know, I thought different. Amen. I, I, I felt different. And that's what God wants to do tonight. He wants to give you a new heart. And maybe you're here tonight and you this is the first time you've come to church or maybe you've been here on, on other occasions, but you haven't given your life to Jesus. And you want to give your life to Jesus tonight. You, you say, you know what? I need forgiveness of my sins. I've done things in my past, and I don't know how to deal with them. The very first thing you can do to deal with your past is let God forgive you of your past. And if you want that tonight, if you want to go ahead and make that decision, you say, God, I, I, I need you. I need your forgiveness. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Would you say, Pastor Contreras, that's me. I need forgiveness. Amen. God is here. and God wants to help you. God wants to touch your life. If you will be honest with God, if you simply will raise your hand, God will help you. Amen. Okay, God sees this hand. Thank you very much. Young hand in the back. Somebody else in this place. 
Somebody else, you would raise your hand. You would say, that's me. Pastor, here's my hand. I need God. I need forgiveness of my sins. I know that I need a, a new life. I know that I need something to happen in my life. I've already tried to change. I've already tried, to, amen, to fix my life. And I can't. And I need something. I need something else greater than myself. Amen. You need God. Somebody else, would you raise your hand? Thank you. I mean, I see this hand. Being laid in the middle. It, somebody else. I mean, hands are going up. God, I see that hand in the back. Thank you, Reverend. Somebody else. God sees you. God sees your past. God knows everything that's happened in your past. Everything that you think nobody knows about. I mean, God knows even the most embarrassing things. God knows. And can I tell you, even then, God wants to forgive you. God wants to help you. God wants to wipe away even the most embarrassing things that you've ever done. God wants to help you with that. Would you raise your hand very quickly? If you, if you will respond, I can tell you something's going to happen in your life tonight. God's going to touch you. God's going to help you. Amen. Very quickly. One last call. Would you raise your hand? Would you say that's me, Pastor? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want forgiveness of my sins. Very quickly. Would you raise your hand? Amen. Thank you very much. I see that. I see that. Somebody else. Thank you very much. Okay, I want to change it a little bit. Maybe you're a backslider. Maybe there was a time that you were serving God. There was a time where you, you loved God. You were coming to church or maybe you went to another church, but you were serving God. God had touched your life. God had forgiven you of your sins, but you've fallen away from God and you're not serving God tonight. And, and, and you know exactly who you are. You know exactly what you need to do. Amen. You knew God. You knew what it was to serve God. But maybe, maybe something related to what I preach, maybe things happened and you didn't know how to process that. You didn't know how to deal with things. You didn't know how to forgive. Maybe someone offended you and that caused you to get all funked out uh, and, and you left the church. Amen. And, but tonight God is speaking to you and God is saying, you know what? You need to get that right. And you want to come back to Jesus. If that's you, you're backslidden. You want to come back to Christ. Would you raise your hand? Would you say, Pastor Contreras, that's me. I need to come back to Christ very quickly. Would you raise your hand? Okay, I want to speak to Christians in this place. I mean, maybe you're here and, you know, you're a Christian. You love God. And I, and I always realize when I preach something like this, I always know that, you know, that there's people here that have served God for many, many years. You've heard it many sermons. But maybe somehow, some way, this sermon is speaking to you. Maybe there's something in your past that still has a hold on you. Maybe a failure. Maybe this sermon kind of helped you to kind of make that connection and make you understand, you know what, the reason I'm struggling, the reason I have no confidence is because of things that happened in my past. Maybe some of you, you've become defensive and you've become cynical and, and, and you view the church and rather than viewing this as the greatest church in the world, in your mind, ah, this is full of hypocrites. And where does that come from? That come, comes from an offense that you did not know how to process. Someone said something or did something to you that, that caused you to get twisted in your, in your perspective and you didn't know how to process that and that's affecting. That part of your past is affecting the way you see the people. It's affecting the way you see the church. Can I tell you this is the greatest church in the world? And if in your mind you hear that and you think, yeah, right. Maybe there's something in your past that you need to go back to. 
and you need to correct and you need to process correctly you need to say, you know what yeah that that's I, I i need to put that in its proper context someone offended me and i just simply need to for, forgive that person and i need to go on and i believe god is speaking to christians process your past deal with it go on there's a world to win there's a city to impact there's family members that need to be saved time is is coming it's it's we're running out of time there's things to do for god don't allow your past to hold you back from what god wants to do in your life okay so before we open up this altar if you raise your hand would you look at me very quickly would you are you serious you want to, you want jesus in your life i know you are amen you are you serious yes i believe you are sis I, I believe you are brother in the back you're serious about serving god i believe you are i want you to do something very quickly i want you to stand up and i want you to come up here someone's going to come with you and meet you here at the altar very quickly don't don't feel ashamed don't feel embarrassed very quickly amen Hallelujah. Okay, let's all stand in this place. And as and as somehow, somebody God has spoken to your life, and you, and you're you know somehow the Holy Ghost is is making a connection there. You're you're realizing, you know what, my past is really is affecting me more than I care to admit. You know, I, I I'm I I'm realizing I react certain ways to things because I'm I haven't processed my past correctly. Maybe there's some people you need to forgive, or maybe you need to forgive yourself. There's some people that maybe you, the, the, the person that comes to mind when you think of forgiving someone is, is, is yourself. And, and maybe, you know, at this altar, you need, to deal, you need to process that. You need to deal with that. You need to bring that before God and say, okay, God, I, I did. I, I made a mistake, but God, forgive me. Help me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave this behind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on for you, God. Amen. Let's sing this song. Let's worship God and get a hold of God. Deal with your past. Deal with it at this altar. Don't get up from this altar until you know you've processed some things, until you know that you've dealt with some issues. Amen. And get up from this altar knowing that, that your past is no longer going to have its grip on your life, no longer a grip on your emotions, no longer a grip on your future decisions. Amen. Let's worship God. It's on you, the author of my faith, casting aside every sin and every way. I fix my eyes on you, I lay my burdens down, letting the cares of this world now fade away. This one thing that I seek, that I may dwell in your house, O Lord, my King. All the days of my life, I want to gaze upon your beauty, seek you in this holy place. Fix my eyes on you, the author of my faith. 
casting aside every sin in every way. I fix my eyes on you. I lay my burdens down, letting the cares of this world now fade away. One thing I ask, this one thing that I see, that I may dwell in your house, O oh Lord, my King. All the days of my life, I want to gaze upon your beauty and seek you in this home. All the days of my life, hallelujah. the days of my life, I want to gaze upon your beauty and seek you in this holy place. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap off. Let's worship God in this place. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. Amen. Thank God that God is the God of our past. He's the God of our present. He's the God of our future. And He knows everything that's happened. And if you will put that in His hands, if you will let God work with you, We'll, if you let God work on your past, I mean, your past never again has to have that grip and that influence in your life. You can go from this place with all the confidence. Listen, if, if God can take an introvert like me, I was the most introverted person you could know. And now I'm standing for you guys preaching. Amen. If, I can, if God can do that, amen, I, I can tell you God can help you through anything. God can turn you into the man and the woman that you need to be. Amen. But, you know, let God help you with your past. Let, let God help you process some things. Maybe there's some things that, you know, maybe when you get to your house and, and as you're right before you get to sleep, you're going to be thinking about some things. Let the Holy Ghost kind of help you, you know. Okay, this, this is why I do this. This is why I react this way. And, and deal with those things. Process them. Forgive. Let go of some things. Put things in their proper context. That's going to help you, amen, to rise up. And only God knows, amen, the future and, and the destiny that, that can come out of this, amen. Praise God. Okay, there's a, uh, one more little correction, amen. Uh, at the harvest, the fall festival, uh, uh, pastor said it was going to be at 6, but it's actually at 5. So it's going to start at 5 in the afternoon. So don't show up at 6 because all the candy will be gone, amen. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Amen. So show up at 5. Amen. So, so please just remember that. And, and so if people can show up from 4 o'clock. Amen. So, so all the people are going to be setting up, right? And, and so if you're going to be setting up and helping with that, uh, show up from 4 o'clock on. And the, the actual fall festival is going to start at 5. So, so uh, just, you know, that little correction. So uh, we're going to have a great time. Amen. And I believe this fall festival, there's going to be tons of people. And I'm excited. I can't wait to see that puppet show. Amen. I, I've never seen it before. Every time we had the, the, the fall festival, I was pastoring in Juarez, and we always had something going on. So I never got to see it. Now I'm going to get to see it, amen. So it's going to be great, amen. So we're, we're looking forward to that. So let's go from this place rejoicing, thanking God.
that God is the God of our future. Amen. And so let's go praising God. Brother Danny, if you can close us up in prayer. Amen.